Welcome guys to the All Ears podcast. This is uh, the first of a series and for me it will be a podcast that I've wanted to start for a long time but I wanted to explain the reason why I'm doing a podcast. So for me in my fighting life when I started fighting and I entered the mats I felt like the more I learned the less I knew because you know the knowledge just expands and expands and expands and the more you learn about something the more there is to learn. And since my fighting career has ended and I've entered the business world and I've entered the real world, if you want to call it that, I feel exactly the same way. That the more I learn about business, the more I learn about money, the more I learn about people, there is just so much information out there. So I've purposefully started a podcast selfishly to learn more about people and more about business and more about money and everything personally for myself. And hopefully there's lessons in there for you guys as well. So that's why it's called All Ears. All ears with Luke Barnett, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And, you know, we'll be doing lots and lots of episodes, and hopefully, we'll get lots of different perspectives from different types of people. It's not all going to be fighting related. We're going to have lots of different points of view, if you want to say that. So, let's get going. Okay, so my guest today is Mr. Andre Novotny. Um, you know, for my audience, maybe you know him uh, from Octagon, but a lot of people I think won't know who Andre is, as famous as he is in the Czech Republic. He's known for now uh, running an MMA event called Octagon MMA, which is the largest MMA event in Europe. Have sellout shows all over the Czech Republic now in Germany and soon to be in the UK as well and in Slovakia. I mean, the rest of Europe thinks Slovakia and the Czech Republic are the same place, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my slight intro. He's a friend of mine. He's on holiday. Well, when I say a friend of mine, he's probably the only person in the world that I call my boss, kind of technically, because I work, the, work for him. Um, so a bit of a strange relationship, but... I'll think I did a good introduction, but I'll pass over to Andre to fill in the gaps if I said anything wrong. No, you said everything right. I think it's perfect. Thank oh, you. Yeah? Thank, <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> taking the time away from your family. I mean, you jumped at the opportunity to come here because, you know, family holiday, kids yeah. running around the pool. I said, you want to come here for an hour or two and talk bullshit? And you said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's always no problem. <laughs> it's happy to talk with you, actually. And it's um, I'm definitely not your boss. Yeah, we are friends. Okay, perfect. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well, <laughs> I, 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 you know, pride myself on working for myself. I've always been the same ever since I started fighting. I, the reason I started fighting was because I wanted to be, I wanted to live my own life and be my own boss and be my own person. That's kind of what gravitated me toward fighting. And now the same since fighting, but you kind of are my boss. Yeah, if you, yeah, I got also my bosses sometimes, yeah. So if I'm working for somebody as a, as a, let's say the host, because I'm do the hosting as survivor for uh, Czech TV, for Nova. So I got also the bosses sometimes. So, and it's some kind of nice thing no? in the end, because you don't have to always decide. You can say your thing, which I'm always do, let's say in Survivor or anybody else, but, or anywhere else. But also it's somehow good feeling sometimes that somebody take the decision what you don't have to do especially like we were talking earlier especially about us because whatever we do we make the decision right yeah. especially with family you're on holiday where are you going to stay you have to pick what restaurant you go to you have to pick everything yeah. for someone to take that away from you yeah I guess it's a nice feeling I just for, to be honest for me in Octagon I just show up enjoy the show do my job and have fun so for me it's, it's good to have a boss who makes all the decisions <laughs> so I mean like I said the audience might not know who you are um, 
I know very well, but I'd like to go away from the man that you are right now and talk about the man that you used to be. Because now, for the people that know you, you're an extremely confident, charismatic guy, talks on the mic, very, very loud, especially in the Czech language. You know, very, very opinionated, like what you like, you know, very direct and tell people what to do. Has it always been like that growing up? Were you, you know, shy or were you a guy that was always been confident? I don't know if I always be confident, but but in my eyes, it was almost like this. I was always the guy who wants to be someone. Yeah, that that was always the purpose What in everything what I did. So from the basic school, I was about to be the football player or handball player. Not many people know maybe what is it, the handball, but it's kind of a good sport in Czech Republic. And it was in those times. So sadly, I uh, start with handball more than with football because I was playing football for my uh, club in my city in Ostrava, Panik Ostrava. Uh, but then I switched to uh, handball because I start with football, then we go to Greece and I live with my father and my mother and my sister there for let's say two years. Okay. So I was speaking fluently Greece, but I forgot almost everything, <laughs> sadly. Uh, but I believe that if you once, if you know that language, it should be somewhere there, no? So if I maybe sometimes go to the Greece, to the school for three, four months, then it should be somewhere there. Maybe if you get because drunk, I w- then you will come back. I know <laughs> all the drunk words <laughs> still <laughs> that stick with me but but yeah so and uh, once we came back from greece i didn't go back to football but my grandpa uh, he put me to handball and i was like yeah i was good but not the best one i was like always in the national teams but i always i was always like the second guy for that place yeah you got the six players on the on the field with the goalkeeper and i was like the second option for for my post or sometimes third option so i never been really satisfied with that because i was the guy who wants to be the guy you know the the guy who was who is willing to take the ball in the last seconds and uh, make the difference in the score or whatever. And I was always see myself like this. And if I'm not uh, like this in something what I'm doing, I'm quit. Yeah, and I'm going to do something else because Where? I want to do. I want to be the guy. <laughs> I, I, it was always. It was always in me. Where, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that 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 you know? obsession with being the guy, the guy that scores the point, that changes the game, the guy that does the thing. Where in your childhood or, or have you built that or you think you were just born with it? I think it was that that uh, competitiveness was always with me yeah? because it was already like, as I remember when we were playing on the field as a kids, you know, football, whatever, I was always the guy who wants to score, who wants to take the responsibility, who wants to, you know, do everything and who wants to be the guy who will do this, you know, from my really first memories. So I don't know because my my grandma and my grandfather, they, they were like in national teams. They've been the European championship uh, champions in uh, volleyball, basketball. They were really something special in sports. Uh, my mother and my father, they was not, but probably that sparkle jump on me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was always like this. Well, because you said that your grandfather was the one that made you do handball. So you had a good relationship with your grandparents when yeah, you were young yeah, and they yeah. were pushing you, you know, so. They never pushed me, but they always show me the examples. 
And I was always like to watch the, all the sports. And I always imagine I, when I was young, uh, because I'm the sports commentator, actually I was from 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was always sitting in front of the TV and I was commentating everything, you know, <laughs> and I was telling the stories and uh, making la- people laugh. Uh, since I was a child, and then when Olympic Games came or a World Championship with football or whatever, mm-hmm. I pretend that I'm sick, so I didn't go to school, <laughs> and I was I was watching everything in TV. Yeah? So I was like this from from the very first childhood steps, and it stick with me. And you mentioned it in the story that you're from Ostrava, which yeah. I've been to now because of Octagon, because yeah. they go there regularly. Um, not many people will know where Ostrava is. So it's, you know, a worker's place, I yeah. believe, like factory-driven, right? Yeah, it's I would say like maybe Liverpool in England, like the blue collar. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. blue collar, but I'm not intelligent enough to know the difference between white collar and blue collar. <laughs> so I was scared that I was going to mess up. But yeah, like the, <laughs> the blue collar city. Um, so, you know, maybe a lot of people have been to Prague and they know the Czech Republic. And when they think of Czech Republic, all they think of is Prague, which I think you live there now. But explain, because I think you have... Uh, you know, you're, you're quite proud of being from Ostrava and you like to go there with Octagon. Like, what, what is it about Ostrava that, that means so much to you? Yeah, like we always said, like once you've been born in Ostrava, you will always have that uh, stamp, which is blue and white. It's our colors, you know, and uh, our football uh, club, it means everything to us. So you always be stick with them and we are cursing, you know, we are minors. So we are somehow tough on uh, us or also on the others. I call it Mordor, uh, <laughs> like from the Hobbit, yeah. Like I'm, anytime I'm going uh, back to Australia, it's bad weather, you know, raining. <laughs> I always just like, yeah, this is how we like it. You know, I'm going back to Mordor. And people are slightly different. They are nice, but they are also like very strict. And they like you or they don't. And they are st- like, like you introduced me, that I'm straight. And mostly people in Ostrava, in my times, it was like this, yeah? You look on somebody and you already know, yeah? Uh, and you tell it straightly. You don't have the problem, but you said like, I like you or I don't like you and go away. And even the girls was like this, which is perfect because you don't have to go around, you know, she likes you or not. So it was always uh, something good. So yeah, Ostrava is special to me and I like those people and I like the environment and everything about that place. Uh, so, so yeah, it's good to be part of something. I mean, that's, I feel that from you and I feel it as a part of the show and, and the event and you bring it with you and you're proud to be from where you're from, which I think is super important. And a lot of people aren't like that. They, they change or whatever you want to call it as they move on in their life. And I think having an affinity to where you're from is, you know, it shows that you're a grounded person or that you believe in like tradition. And I think... My opinion, which is going to be a little bit left field, but now as the world is developing um, and what's going on with the woke agenda and what's going on with America and going on in the UK, and we, we discussed it a little bit with Germany before as well, but I feel like almost when I go to the Czech Republic, and I don't mean this in a negative way, it, it's like going back in time. Like the gender roles are very, very strong there. Women are women, men are men. It's like good to be a masculine man there, I feel like when I, when I go there. And I don't know if you notice the difference between like East and West. I, I, I don't know if that, that's something that you're, you're aware of or you, you just live the way you live. Like East and West in Czech Republic? No, in, in, in Europe. In, in Europe? Mm. Hmm. 
like like Prague is completely different than the whole country yeah so I believe and it's probably the same like in Spain we, we are in Spain so we can say that probably Madrid will be completely different than the rest of the country because it's the kingdom city let's say and the rest don't like them and they behavior is slightly different definitely in Barcelona <laughs> but uh, but what I believe is like these gender things and uh, that uh, people are more in uh, let's say conservative wave way uh, it is but also it's not like it's very the 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 switch is very quick and let's say my daughter she's 23 years now or the older one mm -hmm. and she lives the whole time in France and she's completely like uh, different we were just discuss discussed today the green stuff around the plastic bags you know and all these things you know so she's very into it and uh, like I I don't say that I'm against it it's not like this but I'm just thinking about it more and I'm not jumping on everything like the you know paper straw and things like this. I don't believe that it will Drinking save our paper straws is the yeah, worst. It's yeah. the worst from the plastic cup, no. <laughs> so so like so I don't believe that it's gonna be safe our planet and things like this. So so I believe that the younger generation is uh, different than we were, even in Czech Republic. But definitely uh, we have and and Czech people should know that Czechs they don't believe in anything. Yeah, so we are the less religion country on the world, probably. Yeah, nobody goes to the church. Just if you really feel somehow <laughs> strange. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we like Slovakia. They they are really going to the church, you know, and they believe in the God and everything. Czechs, they are like totally out of the out of this shit. Do you think with that that with the you think that's a good or a bad thing? As in you think I don't know. It's it's not a it's not a good, it's not a bad. I, I really don't know. Because for me what I see in, in again talking about the UK, I've not lived in the UK for maybe twelve years now. I was in California for a while and now obviously I've been in Spain for I believe nine years coming up to. So I've not been around the UK for a while. But every time I go back I see it transition more and more and more towards the left if you want to. I'm not don't yeah. want to get political but I just mean towards the gender roles and all these things that are coming into the world but then when I go so I travel an insane amount and then when I go to the Czech Republic I feel like ah oh, this is what England was like when I was growing up yeah no one it's not a huge discussion there that people just kind of get on with their life and for me it's, it's very uh, relaxing you know I love it there I, again in Poland I love it in Poland in Warsaw I, I love these places that have traditional values but you say that they they they, they lack religion which I, I didn't realize or didn't know i thought religion might be the thing that's keeping them traditional so what what is it you think that keeps the czech people more true oh you think it's going to change and it's changing rapidly everything's everything's going to change but but yeah uh, in uh, the point of view what uh, what you said that the Prague and special czech it's like the really freedom country. That's what I always saying to other people, even in my podcast. Uh, I'm saying to people like, you really don't know how people living in the other countries. Yeah, we are like the paradise. We just don't have the sea, but all <laughs> the rest, it's like in paradise. Really, we got everything is perfect. Everything is brand new because after communist, it's just the 30 years still. So everything is brand new. You got money. You got everything. You get, you can go wherever you want. Uh, it's completely safe country. 
completely safe. You know, you can walk like in with your family in the night in in every part in Prague, and you don't feel that you should be aware of something. Yeah, nobody with knives. There's really not the neighborhood where you can't go or something <laughs> like that. Or you, if you will ask me, should I don't step on this, you know, part of the Prague or check it out. I don't know those places, yeah. <laughs> so we can go really every, everywhere we want. And I, yeah, I don't know why it is, but it is like this. Yeah, we are we are different. We are different than the Austrian, than the Germans, than the Poland, and then the Slovakian. It's strange, but somehow it works. <laughs> and we got some good, we got some bad, like everyone. But this is what I what I like on Czech Republic and also on, in Prague that that it's completely safe place. And we are somehow stick with the uh, old things, yeah? And also not in a bad way, but we don't have too much uh, different people than Czechs are in mm -hmm. Prague and in the Czech Republic, which sounds like crazy in these times mm -hmm. and people will hate me for this, but it's not bad. Maybe it's not bad. Maybe yeah. that's what, like you said, maybe that's what maintains your tradition without the church and without something else holding it down. Maybe. It's just the people living there. You're not having much and change not, from and the outsiders. Yeah, because I, I love to be in the New York. Yeah, let's say a lot, I've, for the first time when I step into the New York, uh, I feel like I'm at home. So I love diversity. I love all the other cultures. You know, I'm still on the way like you. So I'm still traveling and this is my passion, you know, and everything. But... Let's say now, like the the situation in Prague now, it's a little bit fucked up because of the Ukraine war. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so many Ukrainians are coming, and they are the closest to us probably. Yeah, but now we got like so many Ukrainians and so many Russians in Prague that even when I'm going with my little daughter, she's two and a half, she's gonna be three soon, and when I go with her to the uh, fields where. Children are playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you call it? Playground. Yeah, playground. Sorry, uh, to the playgrounds. There are almost only Ukraine and uh, Russian kids here, yeah? and just a few Czechs. And uh, you, I'm observed them, and they, the Russians, the little Russian kids, they always playing some war games. No matter how old are they, they always do the somehow violence games, mm -hmm. and the Czech. Kids are different, you know. In Ukraine, they are pretty the same. They're also more tougher, and they're also playing the games around the world. And not just because the war is now in Ukraine. It's it's in their blood, yeah? Mm -hmm. They're still running, screaming, shooting, hitting themselves, you know. And they are like, they got that aggressivity in uh, their blood, yeah, in the cell's blood. And, but the Czech uh, kids are completely different. They are much more soft, softer. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say like nicer, but they are behave like the kids. They don't have that purpose, you know. They can play with the cars, with trains, with uh, different kind of uh, toys. Uh -huh. uh, and if I'm watching, I don't like it, to be honest, yeah. So, because Meda is always feeling, the, the vibe between the kids is different. And you can recognize that the Czech kids, even if they are three, they don't play with the Russian kids. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not because you will tell them like they are bad and they are good and you can play with them because Meda is also like she's normally living three or two months per year in Dominican Republic 
and uh, because I'm doing the survivor there, and she's playing with uh, all these kids around, you know, no matter if they are from Dominican Republic, U.S., Canada. So, and she's she's okay with them, and they got some some chemistry, even if they don't speak the same language. But this situation, to me, on the playground is really strange, and it shows something, you know. So I really don't feel confident with so many people from different countries in Prague, because. It somehow destroyed what we got. Yeah, yeah, the special thing that you guys have yeah. somehow built yeah. up in the country. So and I can. I'm so I welcome everyone, but yeah. if it's too much, then it's too much. Like I can see it in France. Yeah, like when my daughter lives, I think it's too much. Whereabouts in France is your daughter? She lives uh, close to Lille. It's like small, uh, small city. But now she's studying Lille, and she always saying me like, I would never. Uh, walk Lille in the night, uh, not not Lille, sorry. Uh, on the north it's Nantes, no, fuck, I have to check it then on the map, sorry. Uh, but but she always says to me like, I will I will never go just by myself or even just with my friend, like two or three is not enough. Mm. Yeah, And they always giving you to something to the drink and these things and these things, you know, and it's not safe and blah, 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 blah. It's like in the little war, you know. So, yeah, I think that that uh, the diversity is nice, but sometimes it's too much. I don't want to get too political. Yeah, so I mean, also, and especially in English yeah, language, yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah, not yeah, easy yeah. for no, me to, to. But but I'm also open to say what I think. So yeah, 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 no problem. But I just mean like a you again. You have your guy who's got a daughter who's 23. You said she's 23. Yeah, 23, and a two-year-old. So you, the generational difference in that is going to be huge. Yeah, and. I, I have two daughters, one is four and one is about to be two as well. So I'm, again, I don't want to go, but to go to like the feminism and wokeism and all these things that are happening, the Barbie movie that just came out and all this this propaganda that's trying to push, you know, women's power or whatever you want to call it. As a man that has daughters, I'm like worried about how it's going to influence them. You know, and I don't know if you get the same sensation of that in the Czech Republic. Like, you feel the same changes happening in the world, yeah. or is it, are you like a bubble? No, 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 no. Definitely, we are, we got we got the same. Like, I think uh, we are maybe not just so open to everything. Yeah. So it took times for a bad change, but also for a good change. Yeah. So. I'm completely in to give the women power what they want, but only if they uh, really want it. And also, like how to how to say it? You know, if in California is that law that the if we will have company together, so we have to have one uh, at least one girl in a three-piece board or something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Never. <laughs> like like why? Yeah, we are friends, and. She's not our friend, you know, <laughs> and she has to be there just because she's women. Like, why? What the fuck? Yeah, it's like for me, it's something what I really can take. You know, so so these kind of rules, and I, I and I don't think it really helps to to something. Yeah. So and in my company, you can say like there's like plenty of women, and I and I like them and everything. Like if they are good enough, they deserve everything. But if they are not good enough, good enough, it's like with the man, they have to go. So. So yeah, I think like you always have to think that these these problems have uh, that 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 swing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we've been like the men's uh, in a power like 
too long. And now that uh, the swing is going on the other way and it will be took some time and there will be a lot of good things, but also bad things. And then it's going to be also going down and it's going to be in the middle and it will be it will be fine. So I took it like this and now we are definitely pushed to be somewhere where some people like me, you and the others like don't want to go also the gender things and all these things like I always says like you can feel like whatever you want to but it doesn't mean that I have to feel it the same and I have to support it or I have to be like uh, you know too happy about it about the pride walks and all these in the centers like you got all the rights what you didn't have before like especially in Prague you can do whatever you want so why be so public about something like you got now 75 genders or whatever 75 genders really yeah there's that clip on uh, instagram i see where uh, they explain to an alien that has come down like and he goes we have males and we have females and they say no we have i think it's 56 they say in the video yeah. but it's like and the alien's like no and it's just <laughs> yeah it's just funny but i think like I see it, and again, having daughters, and I bring it up because you told me a story, maybe you'll remember, but in Survivor, there was a, a place where you had to eliminate the last woman or yeah, something like that, yeah, and, and you got loads of hate because they thought you were sexist. Yeah, there was the gender rule, okay. which is always in the Survivor, just because of the show, yeah? Uh -huh. uh, but we set the rule in the middle of a game, which I was against it, but Nova said, like, yeah, you have to set them because that was the elimination game. And you have to set them that uh, no matter who will lose this game, uh, your tribe can't uh, say goodbye to one of the women because uh, you are sending just the women home. And it's not possible because we can be without the women in this competition. So for this uh, elimination game, uh, no matter what, the man has to go. And it was something stupid, yeah? It was really stupid, and I was like, "No, let's don't do this because you know nobody likes it. Even women will not like it. I understand fully why are you doing, but it's just not possible." And they still said, "No, you have to go there." So, I, so I said to the competitors, and then one of these contestants, he's he was already fucked up, and he was like, uh, uh, took it as a team, and he said that he will. Uh, uh, left the competition because of this gender rule yeah, on a tribal council, which is like uh, the biggest thing in Survivor. Uh, and I said, yeah, if you want to leave, then, then go. And it was like three days when I was the enemy of the whole country. <laughs> yeah, because I, I said nothing, Noah said nothing, and they just let them, uh, you know, they just let him uh, say whatever he wants. And I said to my TV station, like, okay, so you were not saying how it was, you know, and what I did, and no, 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 we are okay with that. So I, so, so I said to them, like, okay, then I will come with my podcast, and I will say the whole truth about this, how Yiri was behaved in this show, why he left, and why we do this uh, gender rule. And they said, like, yeah, if you want to, do it. So I took, like, two or three days, because it was, like, Really, I, I was in Dominic Republic, which is like 10,000 kilometers away from Czech Republic. And I was feeling that this light <laughs> is walking on me and it's like <laughs> 10 million people and they hate me. So it was hard two days. But then I, I, I do the podcast and I said everything how it was and it completely switched. And 
people start like me again and <laughs> hate the other guy because he was really the cheater and the coward. But they hated you because you had to enforce the fact that the women couldn't get eliminated? Yeah, they, they hate me because they think that uh, like every time that I am the guy who running the show. Yeah. Ah, so okay. they once they are thinking that I'm making the rules and I'm the face of that uh, survivor. Yeah. So they hate me because girls hate me because they said like it doesn't help the women's if you are saving them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, boys said, and it was true. Uh, boys said like uh, uh, it's not uh, something what you can do because in the middle of the competition you can't just change the rules. Yeah, if they want to send the girls out, they can send them out because that's that's the law of the game. So you can do it. So so they got all the rights and also this guy this, the, the, who left the competition. He was like uh, arguing with me on the tribal council. And in TV, even my wife says like, it looks like you are like too powerful against him. <laughs> and you're using that power like too much. And I uh-huh. says like, it, it was not like this because he was trying to argument with me and I'm the host, I'm the, let's say the God of this show. Yeah. Mm. So I'm the only one who speak with them and I'm the only one authority. And he was like telling me his little lies or sneaky things, you know, 10 minutes. And Novak took out these 10 minutes and they put just the last sentence. Uh Yeah, so it looks like we are already in a bad place without anything else. Yeah. And I was like still saying nothing without the emotion because I know that is going to be the problem. So I was completely without emotion. I was like, yeah, easy. So what else? (laughs) Okay, we're talking about this problem. What else? And he was like, ah, ah, ah. Oh, okay, what do you got else? And, and then, <laughs> then it looks like I really don't care. And I just, okay, so you want to go? Okay, then go. <laughs> and, he was like, and he was also like, okay, so I'm going, but I want to say goodbye. No, 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 don't speak anymore. <laughs> I was like, I want to just say goodbye to everyone. I spent more than months here. You know, it's very important for me. It's part of my, no, don't speak anymore. Because I have to say to him that don't speak anymore because I don't know what he wants to tell to everyone mm. because he can say something about the show. About So I have to say, don't speak. There's the door. Bye. <laughs> And it well, looks aggressive, <laughs> but it wasn't. Well, knowing you and obviously from a different angle in your, I guess it's your day job now, what you do for a living, you have to be like that a lot, right? You're the boss. So you have to be very strict in yeah. certain ways. So I can imagine that. I can imagine you say, no, 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 no. There's a door. <laughs> I can imagine it. I could just see it. So I'm sure I never saw the program, but I'm but sure. But funny it. was that he step out from the show like there's the you know there's like 25 uh, different cameras you know and everybody's there so he took the door and he left and he goes somewhere you know he just running away he start to run away and they couldn't find him like for 10 15 minutes <laughs> it was so funny on the island and uh, then i uh, closed the tribal council everything was like the all the other contestants was happy with they understand fully what we do and that the competition is still fair and square and uh, then i go away and there was the main guy from uh, cet which is like one of the biggest tv operation um, uh, tv companies companies in uh, middle and east europe 
And he was like hugging me, you know, kissing me. Like, yeah, 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 that was the best TV show. And you did it perfect, you know, I love you. So yeah, that couldn't be better. So, and then uh, the shit storm coming and Noah says like, yeah, we are okay. <laughs> Don't worry, Andre, it will pass. And I said like, fuck, so I'm the only guy under the, all these lights and you are okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah it will pass, no worries. And I said like, fuck. But yeah. you felt it, you felt it, because you messaged me, remember the voice note you sent me saying, sorry, I can't think at the moment because the whole of Czech Republic hates me. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, cool, we'll speak later. Um, but so Survivor, you said you were a sports commentator since 1999. Nine. Yeah, Australian Open in the January was my first sports and event. How did you, you get into this? Because I won. I was running, I, I came in 1998, I was in the US, uh, I was working as a guy who's cleaning the theaters. Uh, first three months I was doing it uh, in a city which were still the theaters for uh, black people, I would say. <laughs> okay. How, how okay. can I say it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because so there was segregation back there, and they had black cinemas or black black yeah, theaters yeah, and yeah, white yeah, theaters, yeah. and you were cleaning the black. Like theaters. it was not signed there, but there was only okay. like only black people going there. Yeah. Okay. It was close to close to uh, Chicago. It okay. was the South Bend, the name of the city, something like this. But how, how did you end up in Chicago? How comes you with that? Because you, you came to uh, some kind of organization and they just give you the theaters what, and they need to use you in Denver or no, in Chicago. What was or, the, so you, you were living in America or you were living in, in the Czech Republic? No, I was living in Czech Republic, but I go to America mm -hmm. because of this, this work. Because okay. they they paid good money and you didn't have that uh, green uh, license to work, uh -huh. so you you were uh, you were working without the permission, yeah. Okay. So like so. the Mexican or <laughs> any other you know yeah. fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> so you was nobody. It, it was a good experience actually, yeah. So. So you went as a fugitive to America and you started cleaning theaters. Yeah. Okay. Somehow. Like somehow. This. Somehow. Leave out the the story. But okay. So you're in Chicago cleaning theaters. Then how did you transfer that into doing broadcasting? And 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 uh, I'm doing my uh, my shit there. You know, cleaning cleaning the theaters around the whole America. But something happens with my back, so I couldn't clean anymore because it really hurts me. So I came back uh, to Czech Republic, and I was uh, still in the university, Charles University. But I split the the years, so I got one year off to be in America. But after half year, I came back, and I said to myself, okay, so I want to start my career as a sports commentator. It was always my dream, and now I have the time. So I was starting to going to the TV stations, and I'm telling them that, yeah, I'm the guy, you know, who's, uh, was playing handball for national team, and I'm really good with the words, and I want to commentate. And they always ask me, like, uh, did you ever do it before? Come on, guys, I'm 19 years old, <laughs> so probably not. So <laughs> don't be stupid. Okay, go away. <laughs> so I do my tour with all the TV and everything, and nobody wants me. So then I, uh, then my father was working for one company which provide also uh, Eurosport Czech version. So he called uh, them and said like, just if you want, 
you know, look at him and maybe he's good, maybe not, just give him the shot. So I go to the uh, TV station director and he says, okay, uh, so today it was like one o'clock like now. And today uh, we are broadcasting this uh, Australian Open. So if you want to try at six o'clock, uh, there will be a commentator. You will be the co-commentator. I will listening for 30 minutes and then I will call you if you are good or not. And he was listening to me and he called me like, yeah, you are good. So we are taking you. <laughs> oh, amazing. So that, the, yeah, okay. that was the start. And then you, so what sport, that was tennis then? That so was tennis Open. Okay. in January and uh, February 2nd. The guy who was commentating all the fighting sports, especially the boxing in those times, but sometimes also K1, he left to check TV and there was nobody for it. And they asked, who wants to do the fight sports? And I was like, definitely. But, but you were into fight sports then? You no, liked, no, no. So this no. was the first time you've ever come across fight sports? No, really? it was not the first time, but I was not like going to the training or for some judo lessons or kickboxing lessons. Ne never before. Yeah. So I start uh, doing this and I immediately start because I want to be the best. <laughs> So I immediately started with boxing, with the uh, best uh, boxing trainer in Czech Republic. Then I started with Muay Thai, uh, kickboxing, then with MMA. So I was training, I, I uh, was somehow feeling uh, into the community. I'm starting doing the documentary about them, you know, and things like this. And they recognized that finally somebody is really care about the fight sport. So they were really open to me. And I'm doing like what, whatever I can to push do those sports around uh, different kind of TVs. And in those times, the K1 was the biggest one, yeah, because they got that uh, baseball stadium, Tokyo Dome, you know, 70,000 people, and they do the K1 around the world. MMA was still something like uh, not so big, because it was just six, seven years old. Mm. So, so the K1 was the biggest thing and, and boxing also. So I was uh, traveling a lot through the whole Europe, especially to Netherlands. Uh, I know that uh, Peter Ertz, Ernesto, who's all these legends, you know, I hang up with them, Badra Hari, and, and it was still going on and on and on. So you started training in boxing and kickboxing and all that just to become better at being a sports commentator. Yeah. So your dream was to be a sports commentator. That was, that was what you wanted to do. Yeah, that was that, that was, was and you just facilitated that. You wanted to learn more about the sport, so you yeah. could transfer it better during. And you, so you started training. Yeah, yeah. because I realized, like after one year, I realized because I was started traveling for these tournaments, and I mm -hmm. saw that there is like twenty thousand people. It was the first uh, Amsterdam Arena. I don't know if you remember that, but in uh, Netherlands they do the Amsterdam Arena football stadium. And they shut it down only for the one uh, curve, yeah, behind the behind the mm -hmm. goal, yeah. and uh, there was like twenty thousand people. And I saw it, and I said like, "Fuck it, will it will be big, you know?" And it's unbelievable. And I could be the guy who will be who will bring it to the check, who can know everything, who will know everything, and who will be the leader of this sport because nobody else is care now. But I see that it will come. Then I go to Japan and I saw there's 70,000 people on that uh, baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. So I said like, yeah, it will, it will come no matter what time, but it will come. Yeah, so from that very first time, I know that I can commentate football. I was doing the hockey also because hockey is really big in Czech Republic, mm -hmm. but it was already somehow settled. 
and there was like the commentary stars for this kind of sports and also for me it was a little bit uh, slow yeah it was too long time you know and uh, if i compare it with the fight sport it was not so interesting mm-hmm. so i said to myself so i'm gonna be the guy for the fight sports and i start working on it and what year was that it was 2000 Two, oh yeah okay so one year later after you began you oh yeah, yeah okay so it's 23 years ago yeah and then how did you so the the main reason i brought you on the show for myself my own selfish thing is to think about octagon now so obviously this is we're going back 23 years but to go on now you're filling stadiums with 20,000 people like you were in awe of before when you were commentating on these k1 events and now you're doing that for mma and their czech people yep. or czech and slavic people all together in one place so how did that emerge like who had the idea to start octagon where did it come from what you know what really got the the thing moving maybe you've told the story a million times i've never heard it in yeah. english so yeah yeah you know, i thought it'd be interesting i will try <laughs> uh okay so the my thing was that i was the part of uh, almost every organization in uh, czech or slovak republic yeah and i was also the the host the mc so they always invite me uh, as an MC, and they also know that I'm working for TV. So I do the uh, I do the documentary for them or uh, live uh, broadcasting or whatever. And they also know that I know everyone. So they start to ask me what kind of fight you would like to see, you know. And I'm always was caring about uh, producing the show, and I tell them like this could be better. So I was always about the whole thing. And uh, then I was the it was it was somehow like uh, until now it is and but now it's finally the time when the fighters are more recognizing the recognizable than I am but in those times I was the almost the biggest star on the event uh, yeah I got much more money than uh, fighters had because of my announcing and because who I was because people know me they know my podcast I'm doing the podcast for more than 10 years now, yeah. So I got like 300 episodes, you know. So before the uh, fight sports was uh, big in Czech and Slovak Republic, I was already doing this. So everybody knows me and they care about my opinion. So, and then Paolo calls me uh, and Paolo says like, I got that uh, reality show idea and I would love to have you as a, as a host. But how did you know Pavel at this point? I didn't know him. You didn't? Okay. He, he always saying that I know him. But he was just the guy, not just the guy, but he was the guy who's like somehow trying to do uh, what I did in Czech Republic, in Slovakia. And he was like care about Attila and about some other MMA fighters and trying to do, you know, some, uh, some uh, YouTube thing around them. But I didn't know really who's this guy, but he knows me like everyone. So I was in a vacation in Mexico with my friends and they told me like, uh, yeah, I got one friend, uh, Paolo Neruda, he wants to meet you. So if you are uh, agree, you can meet and he's got some things for you. And that was the octagon. So he had the octagon? No, he had, uh, he had the idea that we will do, let's say, Ultimate Fighter uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in a 
Czech and Slovak way. Yeah, uh-huh. take take the idea, but uh, make the some curves, you know, some some different kind of uh, thing. But the ultimate idea was we will took the four Czech fighters, four Slovak fighters, put them on the villa. They will fight between themselves, and the final will be Czech against Slovakia. And uh, they have to go through some competition, and uh, and this is what octagon challenge became. Yeah, like that, the that, that's show. the octagon challenge. And Paolo, he wants to do only the octagon challenge, but I was about to do the organization, and we didn't uh, spoke about it because for us it was obvious, but the different thing <laughs> for, for for him was obvious that we will do just the octagon challenge, and then it's done. Yeah, and next year we can do another one, but no tournaments, no organization, ah, okay. and for me. It was like from the day one, it was like, okay, this is going to be the start of the organization. And then before, like 10 days before the tournament, and I said to him like, okay, so we got it. And uh, we have to start to planning the other tournament because we have to start to sell the tickets on this tournament. And he was like, what kind of tournament? <laughs> I was like, we got the organization now. Mm, no. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes? I was like, yes. Okay, so where is it going to be? I said, Ostrava. <laughs> But the Ostrava was just the, I don't know, four maybe, because the next one was in Bratislava, because first one in Praha and the second okay. one was in Bratislava. But, but yeah, he was like, and it's always me and him, it's always like this. Like, you think? Yes. Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have that uh, long time thinking, really. Uh, so so we take the decision really quick. This is the point with Octagon Challenge. So in Pavel's head, he was creating a TV program that was a reality yeah. show that was going to have a fight, big fight tournament at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing. Yeah. And in your mind, you were starting an organization. Yeah. And he didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, were you partners? Were you employed? What, what, what was the... No, style? partners. You were partners from the beginning. From the, yeah, yeah. the first Octagon Challenge, you agreed to be partners. Yeah, yeah. Because he came like, are you going to be the host and I'm running the shit? And I was like, no, 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 no. I was waiting like 16 years for this moment. So, <laughs> so I'm going to be 50-50 partner and we can do it together. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I said, but I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, it, I said have, you, have you always been confident that that answers the question? <laughs> no, 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 but I know. I know. Yeah, he was, like because, because he was thinking that he's bringing some things to me. Mm-hmm. And it was somehow true. But that was that was that misunderstanding that he was thinking that we are gonna be partners in his uh, TV show, mm-hmm. and I was thinking that we're gonna be the organization already. I was like, I'm not gonna be employed in my organization. <laughs> so so that was kind of funny thing. But yeah, we took the money from the bank, and uh, yeah, we start like this. And then I mean that's that's pretty funny. But um, especially knowing you guys now and knowing the event and knowing everything, how, how it began. Um, I kind of knew the story, but I didn't know it exactly. So, so I'm glad I asked, asked about it. But again, for you, at this point in your life, when you were starting Octagon, well, when Octagon Challenge was happening and you were all partnering up, like financially you were in a good place because you were like a superstar, right? With podcasts and you were traveling the world and doing the, the commentating and everything. But you, you said you went to the bank, so you took a loan to start Octagon Challenge. It yeah. Was like a, yeah. It was a big risk. Not too big. It was like 20,000 euro per, uh, per each. Because in that time we got... The, the, the funny thing is that the whole uh, fight card for the first uh, Octagon tournament was try to... 
3,000 euros. No, it was <laughs> much more. Three times more. Right. It was 9,000. <laughs> it was 9,600 euros wow, okay. for the whole card. Yeah. yeah, and in those times it was the money. Yeah, in yeah, MMA, yeah, yeah. it was it was the money. I remember. I yeah, remember yeah, because yeah, I was playing. Yeah. Um, so and just it's just 2016. Bloody so and now it's less than one fighter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. So we took, but in if if you look at it uh, on this with these numbers, that 10,000 euro was for the fight card, then 20,000 euro per each was yeah. quite a. Big money, yeah. So thirty thousand was just spent on the event. Uh, if you look at that way, I think on the event, yeah, it was around thirty, more, maybe forty thousand uh, per event. So the first event you ever ran. This is the first event you ever ran. You ever, you never ran an event before this, or did any? Not, not like, uh, not in the way that I was. Uh, no, actually, no. It was no, 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 no. One part of my life is also Muay Thai, yeah. And until that time, I was already the guy who ran the venue uh, Heaven or Hell, which was v really well known in the whole Europe as uh, one of the biggest uh, Thai boxing and K1 uh, venue. It was always in uh, Czech Republic. And we also did O2 Arena before. With Lado Reisefo was the guest there, mm -hmm. and uh, McDonald was fighting there, Vondráček, many, many uh, Ignashov, many really big stars. Uh, so I did like 20 tournaments before Octagon as uh, the production guy and owner. And oh, so you, you were pretty well set. So yeah, you, yeah, you knew yeah. What you were doing yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I, I was knew what I'm doing. Okay, perfect. Like always. <laughs> not, not like always. Always, I'm pretending that I know, but but yeah. In that time, I I got many like hundred tournaments behind me as a host, as a somebody in production, as somebody who's the TV broadcasting or whatever. And I saw everything and been everywhere, you know. So all this information, I always suck them into me, and, and I make the notes what I can do better, you know, and what anybody do. If I will have some day my own organization, then I will do it like this. Yeah, I was always like this. So once I start with that uh, Heaven or Hell tournaments, uh, and they were really big, uh, then I immediately, it was the best tournaments in uh, Czech Republic, and also like one of the best in Europe, and then I switched to MMA. So then, like something that I think a lot of people deal with when you're, cause you're talking about big things running, I've run events, so I know how complicated it is and how difficult it is and how many moving parts there are and all the things you have to deal with. Like putting on a, let's take Octagon Challenge as an example, TV show, big event at the end of it. Do you ever feel anxious or you have anxiety towards doing the event? Like, do you ever, do you have, how do you deal with the anxiety of doing something big, like putting a new TV program on or TV or sport being a broadcaster live on tv talking like i mean you've been doing it for years so i'm sure it feels easy but at the beginning you feel like you were destined to be a sports broadcaster did you ever get anxious about going on the microphone and talking doing being an mc i'm a pretty confident guy but being an mc the way you do it is a difficult is a difficult talent it's not easy to do so is there any any way you deal with anxiety or do you get anxiety or how do you deal with that yeah until, until now i'm sometimes i'm feeling nervous and and it's good, like I love it, yeah. Because now then you know that you actually live, 
yeah that you are start sweating and you care about the things like the last time was on Stvanice before my final speech yeah I was like how do people will react on this kind of uh, halftime show and what will I say because I'm never about too much about the preparation because I always trying to be prepare myself the whole time yeah so even now I will take something from the podcast and I will put it in my mind and then I will use it somewhere else yeah and this is how I do my speech and uh, whatever I'm doing yeah I'm still trying to uh, soak the information into my brain and then use them for myself yeah so but yeah I'm I'm before Survivor or before these big tournaments or if I want to say something in Germany, in German language, then I really feel like fuck, it's not going to be easy. But I'm somehow enjoying these moments. Yeah, I like them because uh, I got that I got that mentality that what if, yeah? And what is going to be bad? Then it's going to be bad. Like people will not clapping and it's not really working, you know, and it's going to be embarrassing for a while. And then we go, you know, and there will be another fight and maybe it will not work. But my what if is always the, in the positive way. And that was what I was feeling from the, like we were talking about those playgrounds behind your uh, flat or house, you know, when you were like six, seven years old and you were trying to imagine yourself that you are the Biagio and you are the have that penalty kick on the <laughs> World Soccer Stadium and you are the last one and you can score that final penalty. And this is my what if my whole life, yeah. Um, I, my my one of my closest friends he told me uh, like two years ago when we were on uh, kiting on Rodos on the same time on a vacation and he told me like I always uh, I can forget on the basic school when we were uh, going together and it was like second class so it was like two eight years old and we were playing football and I was asking you like how you can be that confident then we will win and these things and he would uh, because it was like the important school game and I remember that you told me that you know how I always imagine myself that I'm scoring the most important goal just a few seconds before the time is up and I'm uh, uh, running with the heads up, you know, and screaming on everyone uh, how happy I am to, to do this. Yeah. And this is what I feel until now. You know, I always imagine myself that it's going to be perfect. That it's going to be something special. Everybody will be enjoying and I will have that what I want. And it's that the biggest feeling what you can when people are clapping you know when everything is running well when octagon is uh, doing a good show so this this is my mentality and this is the only way how i'm looking on the things and if it's not working i'm okay with it because yeah so it can happen but it not hurts me because <laughs> <laughs> so when you feel that anxiety start to hit you that's what you visualize you visualize the, the the positive side of it and it's like what if rather than saying what if i could go this way and it could be dark and it could be horrible you think yeah but i could do this and it could be fantastic and i could have this feeling and i could have this emotion and you always try and strive for the fun part of it yeah so then you enjoy the, the anxiety because you know going through a, an anxious moment means you have the opportunity to gain this 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 great moment so without anxiety you're not going to have the the great yeah. moments in life right yeah yeah I, I think to try and paraphrase dealing with a lot of successful people meeting a lot of successful people talking to them something i've noticed is dealing with anxiety or pressure 
there you can frame it in two ways you yeah. can say like i'm anxious so the negative side or i'm anxious so the positive side and if you reframe things into i need to be anxious i need to feel pressure for me to perform on my best it becomes a positive switch so which is what i used to do in fighting mm. if, I, if i was anxious or frightful before a fight i was like brilliant yeah this means i'm going to knock the guy out because i'm i'm worried you know so i have to perform if i feel nothing it means nothing. Yeah. So uh, that that's for me, you know, for people watching, the, the amount of successful people I've spoken to and they've said, I mean, your story's great and the football and cheering and everything and that feeling you have as a young child to have it at eight, eight, seven, eight years old is incredible. But most people I deal with, they, or I speak to about it, they have something similar like, I want to feel anxious because if I feel anxious, I know I'm doing something right. I want to feel pressure because if I feel pressure, then I know I'm doing something right rather than, I'm scared. I don't want to feel pressure because that this bad thing could happen. Yeah. So I think if you can frame it in, in, a, in a positive light, you can achieve great things. And um, for you to talk about, I'm going to say it wrong, and I learned to say it for so long. Stranice. 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 I still can't do it. Brian tried to teach me forever. Stranice. Um, that speech that you're talking about, I um, obviously, so people don't know, Oxygen MMA, I'm sure you can Google it and look it up, but I commentate for the event and I speak for them in English. And you give your speech at the Stanit say, which is the last time we did it, seven years in a row, final final event, have a big halftime show, this big moment where you're talking to the crowd. I have my headphones on and you're speaking in Czech and I, I it gets translated for me in, in English by some woman. I, I yeah, don't know yeah. who does it. Um, and I've been, this is what I was going to try and try and talk to you about. I've been to... I don't want to say a thousand, probably more than a thousand MMA events in my life, easily. Yeah. Because when I first started fighting, I've been I've been competing for about 17 years. My first year of competition, I went to 53 MMA events in a year. So more than the amount of weeks in a year, because I went to one Saturday, one <laughs> Sunday, either cornering, fighting, or just going to watch as a fan, whatever it was, I went to one every weekend or two a weekend yeah. at times, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I've been to a lot of events. Um, and I have seen every promotion you can think of. I've been to live events, the big ones, PFL, Bellator, UFC, KSW, all, I've been to everything, to all the little ones as well, and ran my own events. So I have a very good understanding of, of, of this. And I think, I believe, apart from KSW, which I, I won't talk badly about anybody, but I think Octagon, is the only event that I've ever been to, apart from the UFC, that makes money. Actually makes money, as mm. in like turns a profit, because over a long enough amount of time, over a year, because you have some events that maybe they, like let's talk about Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors is a big event, okay, it makes money, but it doesn't make money through ticket sales. It doesn't make yeah. money through bums on seats, which is the only other event, that, so let's change what I said. The only other event that makes money through bums on seats I believe is the UFC and Octagon. I think KSW used to. I don't know if they still do. But I think that comes down to, and I've been giving this a lot of thought, and now I understand even better from, from listening to your story. And I mean, Pavel has, has a big impact on it as well, obviously. But I don't, what would you say your job role is now running Octagon? What would you say is that you do for a living? Uh, I'm the storyteller. Yeah, that's what I should to do yeah. for the fans and for the fighters. Yeah, because I have to tell the little bit of story to everyone to make them understand how it should be, not how it is, but how it should be to be more uh, 
happy in their <laughs> lives <laughs> around octagon yeah not in their own lives because uh, they got their personal life but if we are working together then uh, they, then they have to understand that um, everything has his own story mm. so for me that's a perfect answer i knew you'd give a good one um i would put you down as a, you know you know like you're a creative person so I wouldn't put you down as like a COO, like an, uh, a, a chief operations manager, like a guy that runs an event and is very rigorous on all the things. You are as well, but you're a visionary who looks at being creative. I think that could, now I know you better. You always wanted to be a sports commentator. I'm a sports commentator in MMA only, but it's a, it's a creative job. Linguistics, yeah. having to talk, having to describe what's going on. You have to have a very, very vivid and good imagination. So I believe you say you're a storyteller, I believe what you do is, what Octagon does, not just yourself, is create moments. It's not about fights so much. The fighting is the least important part, which I know sounds crazy, <laughs> but to me, as a man who's been around fighting my whole life, is like creating those moments that the people can, can you know, attach to is a super difficult thing to be able to do and doing it in the sporting world. I think that creativeness and that, being a visionary like that and looking to tell people's stories rather than going, we've got two great gladiators, the gladiators are going to fight each other, have fun, is the reason the octagon has become, you know, as big as it is now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's, that, that's the difference, what we are doing. And I would say now almost nobody else is doing because it's not easy. Yeah, and this is also what we got special with uh, with Palo that we are the like you said and you said it perfectly like the creative creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not the past fighters. I was the sportsman, but and we were training both of us. But we are not the just the fighters who said like okay, and now I will be running the organization. And I'm not saying that is a bad way, but it's not that. Mm, how uh, this is not the Hollywood way, I would say, yeah, because like the creating the moments, yeah, this is why I'm doing this speech sometime, and I want to give something else, you know, and then people are talking about it, even if a bad way, but still talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I don't want to embarrass myself, but that moment I said you're talking about, where you were talking, Stanovic sake, still can't say. It. Last time I'm going to be there, I haven't been there for seven years. I've been there for two. So I, I don't know the, the history of it, but I've been to three of, three of the events, if you include that you had a double yeah. event Friday and Saturday. Um, and with you giving the, the talk, and it again translated for me in English, bad English, you know, like, like well, not bad English, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, just translation. Word, uh, yeah, just straight translation yeah. without any feeling, yeah. just uh, someone say, saying what the words mean. I was extremely touched by the, by the, the speech. Like, I didn't cry. But I almost cried. <laughs> I, maybe I cried a little bit. But, um, you know, to be able to create that in me, and I'm like <laughs> the most stoic, non-emotional fighter who has been around the game forever, like it's something very, very difficult to do. So I can only imagine the effect it has on people that have been there seven years in a row, that are fans of Octagon, that have been, you know, that are, are so involved with the event because I think that's what you build, especially in... You know, Slovakia and the Czech Republic over the TV programs I can only imagine how impactful that is and for yourself as well because I saw like we shook hands as you came out and I, I feel like the energy of it it's, it's real yeah you know, it's real it's yeah. real yeah like it's, it's funny because people 
It's kind of tradition that I was saying something on uh, on Stvanice and people was like, yeah, I will say something. I was like, I don't have anything. I, I don't like that pressure, that, this kind of pressure that I have to create moment. I want to create them if I want, not mm-hmm. if somebody else wants. Yeah, But then I said like, yeah, okay, I have to say something. And and they always ask me like, are you nervous because Stvanice is for the last time and it's something special, you know, and everybody likes it. I'm, I'm not nervous. Like, I'm happy that it's uh, the final one because we can grow somewhere else, yeah. But then I was staying there at uh, 4 o'clock afternoon and the halftime show was uh, running. They they trying for the very last time and I uh, was somehow... Uh, remember my mother and then I was start to crying you know <laughs> I was staying there and I start to crying while I was staying there I was like fuck so it's not gonna be easy even in the evening and then I was um, about to I know that uh, the ad she was singing the Adele song and also I should go and I was like start crying almost again I was like fuck so <laughs> now I will be like the <laughs> guy who's always crying there but yeah I like these moments if you can if you can um, because also this is my passion, you know, to be, to be somebody who bringing those moments to people. Because I love to be experts myself. I if when I'm start, you know, cursing, I want to curse like people from Ostrava. They know how to do it, yeah, and they will curse you under the floor, under the floor. And uh, if I want to be emotional, like in a good way, then I want to be like this, and I wanna cry if I if I got that feeling, and I. I can do it in front of the people. It's not a problem for me, like to be to be completely open. So I love these feelings, and when it comes, it comes. <laughs> well, it was it was like I said, very very special moment, not just for Octagon, but I think in, within MMA. I you have seen it, but I have seen it as well from people that I know that are in the MMA world, but they don't really know what Octagon is because it's kind of still in a little bit of a bubble, you know, yeah. within Europe. And they come to the show for the first time, and they're like how did I not know this existed? You know, like, like uh, I, I, all I do is train MMA every single day. I own a gym. I've got fighters. We, they fight all over the world and they travel. And I don't know this show exists. Like I, I see it all the time. People's eyes just like, you know, what the hell is this? So I think as Octagon grows, more people are going to become apparent with it and everything else. And the, the stories that you're telling and the moments that you're creating will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the yeah. idea, right? Yeah, the, the funny was the, the, other, the other part was that uh, Fritz from Desire song, no? That they start to playing and I was like, fuck, we need to dance. <laughs> and I said, but I and my head was like, but I want to dance just by myself. So I have to tell them. <laughs> so I tell the people like, come on, this is for the last time. So stand up and coming together you know and it was that, that was the powerful moment which is because everybody understand that now and in Poland and I saw it on many websites that they use it like what the fuck is this with these guys from Octagon you know because it's not normal that the principal and the host or MC uh, with the other guy you know with Palo they are screaming on the people come on let's dance <laughs> <laughs> on MMA tournament na, 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 na. <laughs> so it was so much fun I, I love it yeah no but now where do you go from there that's the thing so you've again that's the last time it's ever going to happen I know bigger things are, are planned but for you, as it go to your personal life rather than talking about Octagon, we'll come back to it. But how do you feel? I know as a fighter from the past, I was always on a deadline. Three months, I'm going to fight this guy. Six months, I'm going to fight this guy. You have a show every month, 
and you already are planning shows for 2024, I'm sure. I don't know, but I'm sure you are. So how do you keep your eyes on the future, thinking about these events in 2024 and all the amazing things that you want to do and what you're going to do next summer instead of having to say, and then how do you be today, be present here and think about what's going on today? Do you feel like you're kind of living in the future or you feel like you're, you're taking it day by day? Both, you have to do both. And we, uh, 2024 is already done. <laughs> the whole, <laughs> all the tournaments, it's settled. And we got like five or six for 25 uh, dates. And yeah, I, I, I like the both words, you know, to, to be present here with my daughter now, with you here, and uh, looking for every minute, you know. And I'm trying to said to myself like every morning like this is gonna be a very nice day and you will uh you will how to say it in english uh have some new uh not feelings but experience yeah some some kind of it's we got we got some special words in check uh you will get the new experience and uh, it will give you something so let's wake up you know and enjoy it because it's gonna be every day is gonna be special yeah so i'm and this is something like the formula for me and my wife she i i was used to say it loudly every morning you know and my wife was like oh fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> i'm still i'm still sleeping <laughs> and you are saying this you know words uh, so like let's sleep no i can't i need now i need to wake up also <laughs> but so um because i was what you are saying loudly it's more powerful and after like two or three years, I start to saying just for myself because it was already with me that it's uh, every day. So, so I'm not doing it uh, loudly now. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, be a better person for people which are living with me, which is not easy because I'm still the little guy who wants to all the toys, you know, in the shop and I want to still playing with something, you know, and I don't care about money or anything like this because I always think like I didn't have any money and I'm completely okay with the same situation now, yeah. I, I will always try to, you know, provide my family, but now I'm a little bit okay but it's not that I can't eat, you know, potato every day or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. What is matter to me, it's that I'm really living this life, what I was looking for it, that I'm still looking for adventures, for something new, you know, and that uh, I'm traveling and all these things, what you can gain with more money. But it's not about, uh, you can see, the, the watch, about the cars, about anything like this, yeah. So I'm trying to be the guy who's good for his family and also for his friends and for our viewers and employees in Octagon because I love to give them that uh, that passion, that adventure, the, what we can bring. Uh, so you, I mean, you said about, you used to say out loud every morning, like, when did you start doing that? I had a coach when I was the, because I was working as a, as a financial advisor and I was running like a small company. Uh, actually, it's like the big company and you can be the manager and you got that ladder and you are still, you know, growing up. So, and I buy to myself one of the best Czech uh, business coach and he was really good. 
And in the same time, I was about Buddhism. And uh, in one time, he told me like, okay, so there's uh, two ways. You can be uh, really good in uh, Buddhism, but it's not the same way which could be the good uh, um, uh, businessman, yeah? Somehow you have to be not so nice, you know, you have to be, you know, somebody who make the decisions and who's also, you know, kick out the people and things like this. So I was like, okay, I understand. And he gives me those uh, ideas. Uh, how to talk with yourself, you know, and how to start your brain every day and how you can try uh, think about like a parking spot. Yeah, like people never can find parking spot maybe here in Marbella, but definitely in Prague and in New York. But I will always find a parking spot because once I'm going to the car, I already thinking that there, there is a spot for me. Yeah, he's waiting for me and I know that there will be a spot. And if not, that somebody will go away once I will came. So I never have a problem with the parking spot and things like this. And I really believe it's like the same like you were asking me about the weather. I was about to say, I was about to say, right. So in Svanitsay, this is exactly what you're saying. I, so to the people that know, it was a weekend in Prague that was forecasted to rain all weekend. And I mean all weekend. It had a 70% chance of rain. Svanitsay is an outdoor arena. And I come to Andre and I said, bro, what are we going to do if it rains? And you said, it will not rain. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 but it says it's going to rain. So if it rains, what are we going to do? Luke, trust me, it will not rain. And I was like, okay, but it kind of looks like it's going to rain. And I said, so there's no plan. Basically, you're saying there's no plan. He said, we don't need a plan. It's not going to rain. And I, and I still cannot get my head around the fact that we went and the, the clouds, they'd like touch the arena. It rained like just out, say this is the arena wall. It rained just outside the arena wall and then went away. So it's like sun just stayed on the arena. And it's obviously the power of the, this business coach that he yeah. had. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. It's but, seven years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> seven years in a row it has not rained on that weekend. Because you say it's not going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I look at it. It's not going to rain today. I'm the Roy Burgundy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's funny because I, I truly believe in the forces that you're talking about. And I actually even, I do coaching, one-on-one coaching about this exact thing. That's yeah. why I asked the question about it because I talk to myself every morning. I ask myself a question every morning. And the thing I always say, I believe that the quality of your life is reflected by the quality of the questions you ask yourself. So if you ask yourself good quality questions, your mind will find good quality answers. If you ask shitty questions, you'll get shitty answers. Or you might get the right answers, but they'll, they'll lead you down a shitty path. And the way I explain this is like what I think's wrong, wrong, maybe a bit of a strong word, but with the youth is like, everyone wants to be happy. So people ask themselves, how can I be happy? And that's a shitty question because the answer to it doesn't exist. Like it's, it's finite. It's something that you happy, unhappy, happy, unhappy. So rather than thinking about how you can become a proud person or how you can push yourself in different, different ways, I, people wake up and they go, how could I be happy? Well, the way you could be happy is you can drink Coke, you can eat McDonald's, you can do cocaine, you can get drunk, but none of this is gonna lead to a fulfilling life, right? So little sparks of happiness. So that's the quality of the question you're asking yourself or the quality of the phrase that you're saying. You wake up and you, you are, say to yourself, today's gonna be great and I'm gonna have 
incredible moments that I'm going to embrace and they're going to improve my life. That's kind of yeah, paraphrasing yeah, yeah. in yeah, English yeah. what you said. So it's like, I wake up and I ask myself, do I want to be an ordinary person or do I want to be an extraordinary person? Obviously, the answer is always extraordinary. But for me to be an extraordinary person, I have to do extra things, <laughs> work harder, train harder, do, you know, absorb more information. So I, I believe in the power of the mind, maybe not as much as you do, because <laughs> I can't control the weather yet. Yet, I will be able to control the weather. But um, that's super, super interesting. So how long, do you, when did you have this coach? When did you start with him? Uh, it was like 2000... Seven, ten, something, something around. And you've seen, I mean, so it's before you started Octagon, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you've seen, you still utilize the same trick, tricks, if you want to call them tricks, or, or methods that you learned from this guy. You still utilize them till today. Yeah, I stuck. I'm stucking with things which are working for me. Like once I'm doing the first two seasons for Survivor. Uh, Nova gives me the teacher for politics and she was like the best teacher for politics in Europe yeah? and they give me four days with her so I was in a room like this with her, bigger room and she trying to teach me how to react on everything you know, she gives me the photo and she said, uh, who's this guy? I was like <laughs> no, 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 tell me what you, what's your opinion about this guy? Uh, what he's doing, you know, how he reacts and things like this. And then she's got that, uh, the whole story about this guy on the photo. And I was trying to, you know, set what I'm thinking about those people. And then she told me if it's right or not. And she was trying to teach me how I can, you know, somehow recognize from uh, vibes, photo and things like this, uh, how, how the people really are. Yeah. And then I got also the teacher for acting. And we were like just walking in a big place, like, I don't know, 100 square, maybe 200 square meters. And we are walking together for, let's say, 30 minutes and just saying hi. <laughs> and we were walking against each other. Hi, hi. Then hi, hi, hi. <laughs> and, and you know, the learning is like this. And it always has some meaning. And it gives you some uh, feelings, you know, it gives you, it teach you how to react on different kind of situation, just uh, really quick, you know, and uh, all these, all these things teach me and show me something. And I'm stick with the, with the Buddha phrase, like once he was dying under the, under the tree and he's got like more than 82,000, not the rules, but uh, truths, let's say. And they ask him, like, hey, Buddha, what we should do it now, you know, with all these uh, clever things you said and uh, how we can, you know, once you will die, how we should go further. And he says, like, uh, it's easy. Just use uh, whatever you want if it suits you, and if not, leave it away. Yeah, and this is what I'm doing. Like I'm using everything what suits me, and if not, I'm just leave it away. And I'm finding, I'm trying to find something else what will suit me and what will work for me. And if it's work for me, then it's work for me. And that uh, actor teacher, she shows me that method that what she was used to doing, and somebody teach her that she's pretending 
you can see me uh, before the tournament. I always doing in the really the place before the tournament. She show me how to settle the tone of my voice, how to make the breathe. So I'm always breathing deeply to my uh, stomach. Mm -hmm. And then I'm feeling that uh, uh, light around me, like this one, yeah, strong light. And this is my present and my life and everything what I'm feeling right now. Like, let's say that I'm caring about family and all these things, which is like normal per this day. And I'm leaving it in this light and I'm doing a little bit step. And there's just the tournament. Yeah, there is just the things what I need to be concentrating just in that moment. And I can leave behind all my problems, all my needs, whatever I'm dealing with uh, for this kind of moments when I'm caring about the show. And I'm doing it before the Survivor, I'm doing it before the tournaments, and it works for me. So I know that I got like many things to do, but I can leave them for the time which I want and I can separate myself and to be present only on the tournament and only care about this particular thing and things like this. So I'm trying to find all these little things which can help me in different kind of situation in my life yeah, and doesn't matter if it's like in a, my personal life or if it's in business. Yeah, I've, I've seen you do that thing. Yeah, I wondered yeah. what it was because I've done vocal coaching because I lost my voice. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember. I said after I lost my voice, I did some vocal coaching. and, and But I, I knew that wasn't vocal coaching as such. But you breathe and you close your eyes. I've looked at you thinking, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I never asked because it seemed like a personal thing, which yeah. obviously that was the energy I was getting from it is that seems quite personal, which obviously it is. But that helps you be present on the day and that, you know, it obviously shows in your performance. I mean, that's something that's changed about Octagon is you now do all of the emceeing in English. Yeah. <laughs> um, so well, obviously because you, you, you want to grow out and you believe obviously English is the most you know universal language, yeah. so you're going to reach a bigger audience. But I, that surely is difficult because I... I I don't know because I don't understand Czech, but I'm sure when you do the emceeing in Czech, it's much more effective than it is in English, right? Yeah. So what, what made you make that decision? And are you happy doing that? I'm not happy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm always saying like to Paolo and to everyone, like anybody uh, used for Octagon, he can step in. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm, I'm definitely happy to do it. But also, I'm not the guy who has to do it just because it's me. Yeah. Once we will say it like anybody else, then let's use him. Yeah. Because my English is definitely not the good one. I know it. Uh, it's not the worst one, also. But yeah, I have. I I give myself some goals, and and it's strange that some days I got like perfect English almost, like. I'm start to talk with the people and I'm feeling like, fuck, I know these words. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm putting them in the, you know, sentence. And I says like, yeah, probably I'm saying what I want to say. <laughs> and some days like this day uh, is nothing special because today I got some uh, meetings from nine o'clock and I was speaking like three hours in English already and having like 20 people in a uh, computer. So 
uh, is not the perfect way to do that podcast. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, some days I'm I'm better, some days I'm awful almost. But I have to be I have to be better definitely. So I I uh, put the goals in front of me until the Manchester tournament. And if I'm not gonna be there, I will do the Manchester obviously because nobody else is coming. But then I was said like fuck it, yeah, let's find somebody else. Okay, so as it develops, you're. I thought you loved the attention. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, I love the attention. Yeah, because I know how to react and how to how to work with it. Mm-hmm. And but I I got enough, you know. Also, I'm that that's people don't realize if I'm saying it that I really can leave it now. If I never ever do the octagon uh, MC again, I will be happy. Yeah, no problem with it. I can just uh, smash the doors and uh, leave it behind me. And I always uh, does it in my life. When I'm stopped with something, like I was the national handball player, and I said one day, like, I love it, but I'm never going to be the biggest start of this sport. So do I really want to do it? No. And I didn't. From that day, I never go for training or for the match. I just call them, so I'm quit. Bye. <laughs> so I'm like this. I'm, I'm the. I'm so similar, you know. Yeah. Like for fighting, I spent 16 years of my life fighting every yeah. day, training twice a day, every day. Decided to give up because I, I knew I peaked, or I, yeah. know, I was never going to become the best in the world. My goal was to become the best in the world. I didn't become the best in the world. So what's the point? So I closed the door, and I now is two and a half years later since my last fight, maybe longer than that, and uh, I had never trained two days consecutively at all, anything in two and a half years. And you've seen me go from being strong to being a bit chubby. Uh, So I'm trying to get back on top of that, but I I never, I don't walk in. I have an MMA gym uh, here in Spain. I've not taught class since I give up. I I just close the door and move forward because you can only fit so many things in your brain, right? Yeah. If you want to be the best, have the best MMA promotion in the world, you can't be worrying about handball. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the reality, right? Um, so as Octagon moves forward, obviously, maybe there'll be a new MC. I mean, if there's an MC out there listening, maybe they'll get in contact. Um, but the problem is, like, I think... What, what I feel is that that special of what I've got from our audience, and I don't know if I will get it in England also, if they will... Because it can run until we will share the story, until our fans will be different than the other fans, yeah? If they will come just because of the fights, and it was it was the story of German, yeah? They somehow, I believe that they are somehow more happy with me, with the bad English and really bad German language, yeah, Czech guy, that then will be happy with any other German guy. Yeah, because they understand that I, that me and Paolo, that we are living Octagon and that we are the guys who really trying to give them the show. We are really, you know, concentrated on it and that we are really trying to uh, be the biggest German organization, you know, and that we are somehow German organization as we gonna be a UK organization, you know. Mm-hmm. We are not just the Czech and Slovak and go to foreign. We, we, we want to be present organization. So we want to be there, there for them. 
And from my point of view, it's better to be there for them with broken English, with broken German language, with broken uh, Spain language, than uh, be like the guy from Cage Warriors, yeah? Be the perfect English guy, but with no passion. Yeah, no feeling. Yeah, no feelings. Like yeah. No connection. Just, yeah. So I believe that until we will like this, then it's okay. But if it's not going to be there, then it's going to be a problem. Hmm. So then as you grow and you move forward and your English gets better, <laughs> little by little, um, where do you see Octagon in 10 years? Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, the answer is always the same. We want to be the Formula One amongst the European and Middle East uh, organization. So we want to have like, let's say 20 tournaments per year, different places, maybe still the same places or at least still the same countries. And we want to be like the circus, you know, that you already know that June means France, let's say. Yeah, and France then could be Paris, that could be Marseille, doesn't matter. But we all know that June, uh, we go to France and the French people, they know that uh, there will be fights, it's going to be fun, you know, it's going to be big. We will see our stars. They will also connect it with the other fighters from different countries. So and everybody will be happy that it's, it's there. Like every year they are waiting for uh, Formula One in uh, Germany, in Japan, mm. I don't know where. Yeah. So this is this is this is this is this is the this is the idea that we will be between 20 to 25 tournaments because otherwise it's too much for me. Like UFC now, I don't even care. Yeah, I care about just few tournaments. It's just too much, too much fighting. Like it's the same with football, but football was here more than 100 years now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But MMA is not like this. So it's only amount of fights what you can really care about. And the rest is just there and you really don't care. So I want to be octagon as a something, as a league, as a championship league in MMA that you care about and you are happy that it's coming. You are not tired that it's there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I believe that uh, 20 to 25 is uh, the definitely balance. yeah the, the balance. And uh, yeah, we want to spread it through the whole Europe and uh, Middle East. I believe that's that's the region where we want to be. No other countries, no America, no Asia. I don't I don't see it there because it's too far away. And uh, for us, if we want to go somewhere, we want to be there. It's not just the like UFC now in London, yeah. They are in Auto Arena, but the whole London don't know about it. Mm. Yeah, England don't know about it. Nobody cares. Just a few thousand people which are really care about uh, those fighters. And it was not sold out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all the there. yeah, and, and and all the organization. It's for me the same. Like they are doing thing which is nobody cares almost, or just the people around that uh, sport around the fighters. But we want to be something different. We want to be something for the people. We want to be that circus. We want to be something what you will care about and you will looking for it and you will be happy that you can go there and be part of it. So it's maybe uh, not easy, but this is something what we, what we want to create. Okay, and then what about for Andre Novotny? Where does Andre <laughs> want to be? Like what, what, what do you, obviously you have business goals, but 
it's a bit personal, I guess, but I'm just in the same situation with you, with the young children. They're going to be teenagers. Like, what do you, you said that you like to travel through life and soak up the experiences of life to then, you know, hold on to what is useful for you and throw away the other stuff. Like, what do you think you're going to pick up or where, where do you see yourself in 10 years personally? Uh, it's funny that, like, I don't have this place, uh, these plans for myself. Like I got, I got it for a family. So I know that we want to have another child. So it will came with them, uh, <laughs> that uh, that plans. So I will have three child already probably, and the plans will stick with them. So give them the best life possible. But it's gonna be, in my eyes, it's gonna be life on a way. Yeah, because I still have running <laughs> and traveling and uh, be somewhere else so for myself i i hope to myself that that, that it's gonna be still so much fun so i still have to be somewhere doing something else you know have that ideas uh, different kind of companies mm, because also i got many many things to do in different different uh, way of uh, business but i don't want to have like too much uh, but some something what it what gives me another perspective to what we already doing yeah so i believe yeah i just want to have fun and an adventure <laughs> and, fun and i yeah and i open to everything brilliant okay well, i think we've been talking for a while i know idea how long but um hopefully I mean, I learned a hell of a lot about you. And like I said, I'm doing this podcast for myself. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about other people. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. If they, they like it, they will. If they, they don't watch. like it, they don't yeah. like it. But hopefully they learn something as well. So uh, I appreciate taking the time on holiday to come see me. Uh, and, um, you know, I find with podcasting as well, we know each other well, spent, traveled around or whatever, spent two years together, but I never got to know you like this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy we got to spend this time to, to get to know each other. And thank you very much. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And if you have anything, oh, might as well talk about Octagon really, really quickly. Next tournament's Frankfurt, right? So for anyone who's interested in Octagon, I'm a male, learning more about Andre, you can go to octagon.tv. That's where you can see it. Yeah. And then obviously you have the Instagram, which is Octagon MMA. Um, and you have your own Instagram as well, Andre Novotny. Yeah. If you want to spell yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, check. You will put it on. Uh, I'll put it on yeah, the links yeah. below, <laughs> so you guys can check it out. But uh, any with anything you want to end on, anything you want to say? Uh, yeah, came. I don't know. Most of the people which will watch this, they are from England, no, probably. England, America, I'm worldwide. But yeah, you worldwide. Okay. <laughs> so Frankfurt is sold out. It's uh, more than one month before, which has never happened before in uh, Germany to any other organization. I would like to say. So it's sold out just today. We said that it's only 27 tickets left and it's one here, one there, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> there are not two tickets next to each other. So it's sold out. So I believe you should try and give us the chance. So no matter where are you, if you are in Germany to Köln, there will be show for 20,000 people or in Manchester. Uh, we are like two or three weeks after KSI Fury tournament. So you will have the it's feeling, yeah, 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 which is uh, better show what is give you more joy than uh, if it's going to be these two fighters. And I like them. I like the personality of KSI. Definitely. I saw his document and he's like a crazy guy. I really like what he do. And also Tommy Fury, like 
you have to like him that he beat the Jake Paul now. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, so so like I like them both, and it's gonna be a nice challenge with them. So yeah, a lot of fun. So okay, so let I'll clean it up a little bit. November fourth is we Manchester. Go to Manchester arena. Yeah. So that'll be the AO Arena in Manchester. Yeah. Octagon will be there. And then November two weeks later, it's in uh, Cologne. No, it's in Cologne in Germany. Nineteen. Yeah. Nineteen. So two big arenas in one month in November in two different regions outside of the Czech Republic and Slovakia. And like you said, you're a bit of a challenge, but um, we'll see how we get on. But like you said, it'll be the first time the Octagon has ever been to the UK. It'll be a whole new experience, yeah. new new arena, new place. So I'll be there for sure, Comtain Cage side with you. So I look forward to it. Um, and yeah, check it out. I'll put the links below so so the fans can see. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Sweet.